I really, really, really want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Next Sunday is the final uh, message in this series, and it's so important. And uh, sort of to wrap up the, the concluding thoughts that Solomon uh, has for us, and uh, unless you're out of town, and I hope you're not going to be in the hospital, but otherwise, I want to encourage you to really, really be here. What we're going to look at, I think it's going to be helpful to you in a huge way in just sort of your day-to-day, week-to-week uh, kind of life. I'm so glad that all of you are here with us this morning. Now, as you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, and um, I've, I've read a story in the beginning, I've announced ahead of time that it has absolutely nothing to do with the message. So if you try to piece it together, you're going to be highly disappointed. And so everything seems to come in threes. So I thought I might would try it one more week if you'd like it. All right. Nothing to do with the message, but here it goes. Sitting on the highway waiting to catch speeders, a state police officer saw a car puttering along at 22 miles per hour. He thinks to himself, that car is just as dangerous as a speeder. So he turns his lights on and pulls the car over. Approaching the car, he notices there are five old ladies in the car, two in the front and three in the back, wide-eyed and looking like ghosts. The driver, obviously confused, said, officer, I don't understand. I was not going over the speed limit. What seems to be the problem? Ma'am, the officer said, you should know that driving slower than the speed limit can be just as dangerous. Slower than the speed limit? No, sir. I was doing exactly 22 miles an hour, the old woman said proudly. The officer containing a chuckle explains that 22 on the sign was the route number and not the speed limit. (laughs) A bit embarrassed, the woman grinned, thanking the officer for pointing out her error. Before I go, ma'am, I just have to ask, is everything okay? Because these women seem so badly shaken and haven't uttered a word all this time. Oh, they'll be all right in just a moment. She says, officer, they're going to be fine. You just have to know we just got off of Route 142. So, I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. But today we arrive at part three of our message series, and we return to Ecclesiastes. In previous weeks, I have mentioned to you that Solomon was not in any respect a perfect guy by any means, but that God takes this guy who learned, I really believe, from some previous earlier mistakes that he had made, and God raises him up. And he fills the life of Solomon. You have to understand this with extraordinary wisdom. And then God uses Solomon to speak some much needed wisdom, some compelling truth into our lives. If you were not here in the previous two weeks, I would just encourage you to go online, victorlakeland.org. You'll be able to find it. You'll be able to download it, listen to it, podcast, watch it, listen to it online. But what we're going to discover this morning is that Solomon, and I shared this with you last week, is that he wants to invest some wisdom into the younger crowd. That's what he wants to do, to invest some wisdom into the younger crowd. And if you're a younger person, I want to just say, 
I am particularly glad that you're with us here today. I mentioned last week to everybody that was here, maybe you were not here, and I just said, hey, if you have, you know, high schoolers or college age or even young adult age who are still, you know, trying to figure some things out, just encourage them to be here. And so if you came at that invitation, I am so glad that you came. And together we're going to draw, it's for everybody, all of us can learn something from what Solomon is saying. You're about to see this. But in this case, he is speaking to a little bit younger crowd than a lot of us are, that are in this room. And, and this is how it starts. Let's look together at the very first verse. This is uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And Solomon says, remember your creator in the days of your what? In the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come, interesting language. We're going to talk about some things uh, here today. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Interesting, isn't it? What he says. And I just love the way that Solomon arranges his words. And guys, you can keep it up there, if you will, for just a moment so that we can revisit it. Just look at some of the things that Solomon says. Again, to the younger crowd, remember your creator. And Solomon being used by God is uh, really speaking to this age group that I'm talking about. And he's saying, you know what? I, I know that you've got a lot going on. I, I know that there's a lot in your life, many things, numerous things that you could be focused on. But in the middle of all your business, in the middle of all your chaos and everything that you've got going on in your life, I don't want you to ignore God. I don't want you to forget about God. It's so important that among everything, myriads of things that are going on in your life and your brain and your world, remember your creator. This is very important. Remember your creator while you're young. He says it. In fact, look at that next phrase, in the days of your youth. Remember God. Don't forget about God. Don't forget about God in the days of your youth while you're young. And again, this is self-explanatory. He's talking to, younger, to the younger crowd and he says, you know what? The time to experience a relationship with God is not down the road, not when you get older. The time to experience a relationship with God, the time to come into a relationship with God is right now. Why are you young? And again, outside of Jesus, who had this divine advantage, there's nobody that had any more wisdom that's ever walked this earth than Solomon. And Solomon says, it would be a good thing for you to invite God into your life now for you to invest your life in the things that really matter most for God's sake. So open up your life to God now. Receive God now. And then look at this next phrase, before the days of trouble come. Before the days of trouble. And I suspect that a lot of you have read Ecclesiastes at some point or the other, and you probably have read through the chapter that we're going to look at today, but you've never thought about it as deeply as you're going to think about it today and probably have never really looked into it sort of piece by piece. And so uh, we need to talk about that. He says, again, look at it. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then he adds, before the days of trouble come. And if you're speed reading in the Bible, which sometimes we're prone to do, you may just read that and you don't even think about what does it mean before the days of trouble come? I don't even know, but it does mean something. Does anybody care to guess what the days of trouble are referring to? Anybody? Some of you know it. You're just afraid to say it. It is a reference to getting old. It is. It actually is. You're going to see this. This is going to happen. This is going to, for some of you that are young today, you're like, you know, you hear me mention that and you just, just sort of laugh and saying, you know, before the day, before, before I, I'll never get old. 
And that's what I used to say. I used to say, I'll never get old. I'd hear a talk like this, maybe, uh, even if it wasn't specifically along this line, or I'd, uh, you know, and I think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get old. I'm never going to have some of the aches and pains and things that older people do. And, you know, my hair's never going to, you know, turn gray or turn loose. You know, I'm never going to have, you know, I'm never going to have some of the challenges that older people have. And let me, let me just go ahead and say to you younger crowd, I know that. I know what you're thinking right now because I thought the very same thing. But let me just tell you, it will happen to you. And let me further add, I'm kind of excited about it, quite honestly, (laughs) because I never thought it would happen to me. And it would be pretty fun one day to welcome you into the club. (laughs) But this is what Solomon is actually saying. And poetically, he describes, some of you have never seen this before. He poetically describes what getting old is like. And you're going to see, this is straight out of the Bible. I'm not making any of this up. This is what the Bible says. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 2. Look at what it says here. Remember your creator. He, He repeats that. Remember your creator before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars turn dark. Now, since we have so many students here that you're already engaged back in school, I want to give you a test question. Guys are going to keep that up again for just a moment. I've got a test question. When you see what is on the screen there, is Solomon describing here the actual fading of astronomical objects Or is he referencing human vision that grows dim with age? I'll give you a hint. It's the second one. And he's referencing this. And he's not done. And some of you have read through this and you're like, I never saw this before. Look at the very next verse. Look at what he says now. You're going to know that he's referencing now. Then your arms that have protected you will tremble. And your legs now strong will grow weak. Look at this next part. Your teeth will be too few to chew your food (laughs) and your eyes too dim to see clearly. And you're saying, is that in the Bible? Yeah, it's been there. I don't know why you have it read it. It's there. So really, honestly, it's, it's not that bad growing, uh, you know, being young as you are right now. It's not, it's not bad. So, you know, we're going to come to another verse. Uh, A couple of verses later, but I want to just say something before I get to this next one. Ushers, I need you to go ahead and block the doors (laughs) because older people, which would be like my age and above, are going to be tempted to exit after this next verse. But uh, I I want you to see it nevertheless. This, This is the Bible. Aren't you glad we're teaching the Bible here at our church? All right. Look at verse five. Remember him. We're back to this idea. Remember your creator. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before, and boy, I understand this one. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. Look at this next. And you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. This is all the Bible. Don't you thank God for the Bible. So if you're young, let me just say, this is what you have to look forward to. I'm in my early 50s. I'm in my early 50s, and I already have a bad knee, a bad hip. I uh, wear contacts, and I'm turning gray. So things like classes and tests and homework 
are nothing. All right, nothing. I love this story. I brought it along with me. I found it a number of years ago. Some of you may have heard it. A little old couple walked slowly into a McDonald's one cold winter evening. They looked out of place amid the young families, young young couples that were eating there that night. Some of the customers looked uh, amazingly and admiredly at them. You could tell what the admirers were thinking. Look, they said to themselves, there is a couple who has been through a lot together. They've probably been through a lot together for 60 years or more. The little old man walked up to the cash register. He placed his order with no hesitation and then paid for their meal. The couple took a table near the back wall and started taking food off of the tray. There was one hamburger, one order of french fries, and one drink. The little old man unwrapped the plain hamburger and carefully cut it in half. He placed one half in front of his wife and the other half in front of him. Then he carefully counted out the french fries, divided them into two piles, and neatly placed one pile in front of his wife and one in front of him. He took a sip of the drink, and then his wife took a sip as the man began to eat his few bites. Again, you could tell what people around this old couple were saying. That's so sweet. That's so cute. They were so used to sharing everything together. Then the crowd noticed that the little old lady still hadn't eaten a thing. She just sat there watching her husband eat and occasionally sip some of the drink. A young man came over and begged them to let him buy them another meal. The lady explained that, no, they were used to sharing. It's fine. They like to share. As the little old man finished eating and was wiping his face neatly with a napkin, the young man could stand it no longer. He comes back over to the table, and he offers again. After being politely refused, yet again, he finally asked the little old lady, ma'am, why aren't you eating? You said that you share everything. What is it that you're waiting for? She looked up and smiled and said, the teeth. They share everything, including the teeth. So you've had enough of this by now, I know. Unless you get discouraged about what's ahead of you, let's spend the balance of our time focusing on what Solomon would say to the younger crowd if he were here and alive today. And I'll just give you three words, all right? Here are the three words. I think that he would throw out a word for you to hold on to if you're, again, part of a younger crowd. And the word that he would have for you today would be the word enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy this time of your life. And every person my age and older would say, you got it. Enjoy that time. Because right now, you have something working for you that most of us in this room do not have. You know what you have? You have maximized energy and minimum, minimum responsibility. And that's a good time in your life. It's not always going to be that way. And Solomon, if he was speaking wisdom to you right here, right now, he'd just say, enjoy this time. Enjoy this opportunity of your life. Look at the A part of verse 9. The guys are going to put it right up here on the screen. Look at this. You young people should enjoy yourselves while you're young. You should let your hearts make you happy when you're young. Follow wherever your heart leads you 
and whatever your eyes see. This is a really good time, Solomon would say, and you ought to enjoy it. Enjoy yourselves. Later down the line, as you grow older, there's going to be pressures, and there's going to be challenges. There's going to be things that are going to happen in your life that you don't even need to think about now. You don't even need to worry about them. You don't need to give them any consideration whatsoever. You just need to enjoy this time in your life. This is a special time. Again, maximum energy, minimum responsibility. And it's not going to be this way again. I was at the gym. Um, I'm always at the gym in the, in the morning or evening, depending on how my schedule's going. And, and they have the little uh, mats that you can lay out. And at my age, before I start lifting, I have to stretch out because I've got all these little aches and pains. and I need to stretch out a little bit. And uh, I said to one of my friends there who's a trainer, and they just had the mat there. And I just said, you know, I've been a busy, busy week. I just said, hey, if you guys don't mind, of course, I was kidding. I think I'll just lay here on this mat. And instead of lifting today or stretching, I think I'll take a nap. <laughs> and then I remember, do you remember when you were in school? Do you remember in school when you were in like kindergarten or earlier, you had to lay on a mat and take a nap and you hated it? Do any of you remember that? All right, it's nap time. All right, kids still, it's nap time. We're going to turn out. You have your little mats. Everybody rolls in. You lay on your mat. And you hated that. You hated it. And I, you know, there were so many things to do. And I didn't want to do nap time. But I didn't. And isn't it funny how it flips? And then in high school, you would have done anything to have had nap time. If they just said, you know, you're in like 11th grade. Hey, it's nap time. Great. I'm tired. I want to, you know, I want to sleep. Some of you were sleeping in class. Anyhow, you should have at least got a nap, you know, a mat or something. It was pretty obvious slobbering all over yourself and everything. But um, <laughs> let your hearts make you happy. Follow, Solomon would say, wherever your heart leads. And this, listen. If you're part of the younger crowd, this needs to be. And I, I just pray that it's so in your life. And if it's not so right now, that it would become this. This needs to be the happiest, some of the happiest times of your life. This needs to be the time when you really enjoy your friends and when you enjoy your family and when you enjoy sports. You know, some of you are like, you know, do I go out for a team? Why not? Why not go out for a team? You know, you're not, you know, you're probably not going to end up in the pros or anything, but why not just do it for the experience? for the fun competition to learn something. You may learn something. Or hobbies. Have fun with your hobbies or your interests. Right now, you have options with your time. You're not going to have down the road. You have some energy. Trust me. You're not going to have down the road. And you have all these limited responsibilities. So follow your heart and appreciate every single day of your young life. I'm just telling you, you're not going to be young forever. And Solomon would just say, enjoy this time. This is a really, really special time. And be really smart, I would add, to where your heart is leading you. You saw that. You know, let your hearts make you happy. Follow wherever your heart leads. But be careful how you do that. Be careful where your heart is leading you. This writer, he was a, a former atheist who became like this incredible follower of Jesus. And, um, and he made this statement. I want you to see this statement. His name's Lee Strobel. He said, there's an ancient saying, love God and then do whatever you want. That's a succinct description of how to live a life with minimal regrets. Because if you really love God, you'll put him first. You'll make his priorities your priorities. You'll seek his guidance when making decisions. And you'll follow his commands as you make choices that will lead to the benefit of both yourself and your family. So... 
First word, everybody got it? I'm not going to move on till you can call it back to me. What's the first word? It begins with an E and it's the word enjoy. Enjoy. Now, here's the second word that Solomon would have for you. And the word is experiment. Experiment. Enjoy. Follow your heart. Now experiment. Now, this is a fantastic time for you to try to figure out, if you're part of the younger crowd, what you're good at. What do you like doing? Discover. This is a fantastic time for you to discover who you are. Find out what your talents are. What are your abilities? What are you most passionate about? What are you most passionate about? I have three kids, the youngest, the oldest two are, you know, married, been married for quite some time. I, I got started very young in my family, married when I was 11, started having kids when I was 12. <laughs> so I've been a father, not, no, not, not quite that young. And uh, now Audrey, she's the last one at home. And so she's finishing up high school. And so, uh, you know, we're talking about what was she interested in. And uh, we, knew, we knew she was going to Southeastern and and uh, she said, I think I want to be a part of the nursing program. And we're like, well, that sounds great. That's a, that's a noble vocation. They've got a great nursing program. So, yeah, go for it. We support you fully. You want to be a nurse? We'll support you being a nurse. That's what I want to do. I want to be a nurse. So she was in school for a while. And I can remember the day when she came home and she said, I've discovered I don't like blood. Now, how many of you know, if you want to be a nurse and you don't like, you know, nobody likes it, but you can handle it, how many of you know, if you can't be around it, probably need to think about another vocation? And that, and that she did. And there's times for you to do that. Now, you can't do that forever with your life, but there's an opportunity to figure out what do you want to do, experiment with a potential vocational career. This is an excellent time for you to read about maybe something you want to do for the rest of your life. Do a little research. All research is not, especially research that you do on your own. I can remember when I graduated from college, I love to read. And this is a fact. If you see me in a restaurant and I'm not with somebody, I'm always going to have, if I happen to be sitting there having a meal, I will always have a magazine or a book with me. Because, you know, if you got five minutes, why not read a good book? And uh, so I've always got it in the car, walk in. If I don't have an appointment, I'm not meeting. I'm not with my family. I'm just running in to get a, I'm always going to have, I'm going to be reading. I remember this about graduating and I love reading. And one of the great things about being in college is it forced me to read because I wasn't, you know, like really fired up about doing a lot of reading when I was in high school, come to think of it. But really in college, it really just, you know, you had to because you had to do the work and you had to do the test and you had to do the papers, but it set in motion something that I've loved doing to this very day. And I've always, you've heard me talk about it. I've always enjoy uh, reading. Uh, you know, I can't just be in one book. So I've always got three to four going at one time. And how do you keep it all straight? I don't, I don't know, but I'm able to do that. And I just love to read. And I can remember when I was graduating and I had this thought, number one, I'm graduating. Uh, I knew, you know, my first ministry position that I was going to be taking because that was already being presented to me. And I just remember having this thought that I'm so glad that being in college, I graduated Southeastern University. I'm glad that they, you know, inspired me, encouraged me to read. And, but I had this thought, I'm going to keep reading like crazy. But I can remember saying, but now I'm going to read what I want to read. 
You know, it's just that thought. And so read about something that you're interested in. Uh, research, uh, job shadow, take a part-time job if you're a young person. Find out this is a great time for you to volunteer in an organization. You know, um, just, just try it out because you're going to want to get in a field that you're going to want to be happy in. And we're talking about finding satisfaction, something that you feel good about and you feel fulfillment. And not everybody has that, to be quite honest with you. I talk to a lot of people that, uh, and I'm not saying that you can't make a midlife career change because people do it all the time. I'm just saying it becomes a lot more difficult to do that. I've talked to scores of people who would like to, you know, I've been doing this, but I don't really want to do this. I'd like to do this, but how? Because of this and this reason, this reason I'd like to be doing, but I can't do it. So they may not be be in a position where they can make that change or, or they think that they can't make that change. But you can make a decision. You can look. You can experiment, Solomon would say. I like what Ken Davis has said, sort of pertaining to vocational life. He said, all over America, people remain in jobs they hate so they can buy stuff they don't need to impress people who don't even care. And isn't that true? And you're going to learn some valuable lessons when you experiment. Like, I like this, and I don't like this. I want to be a nurse, but I can't be around blood. That's, that's better to learn before you're entrenched in nursing school rather than five years after you're out. You learn that you're good at this, or you're not so good at this. You find out that you're fulfilled in this, and this is, you know, it's all right, but you're just, and it's, it's nothing that is wrong with that particular thing vocationally. It's just frustrating to you. You're not satisfied in it. You're not fulfilled in it. It doesn't amp you up. You're not passionate about it. And this is a great time. And Solomon would say this to every one of you who are part of the younger crowd. If he would say, enjoy this time. It's a really, really special time in life. And it's a great time for you to experiment. So, uh, you know, when Audrey presented that, it wasn't like, well, sorry, you know, you said this is what you're going to do, whether you like it or not, whether you want to be, a, you know, you get, no, backed off and just said, well, what do you think you want to do? Now, what do you want to experiment in? And uh, she was just really in a lot of her gen ed classes at that point in time, hadn't really got into some of her higher classes yet. And so she started talking about some things. And, uh, you know, just over time, things that we could encourage her in, which, by the way, I think if, if we're parents or we're grandparents, that is our E word. It is the word encourage. And encourage, encourage your kids, encourage your grandkids. Talk to them, support them. Let, them. let them know that you're supportive of them. You know, if they're making stupid decisions, of course, you can't support that. But support them in a lot of the great things. Inspire them. Talk with them. Sit down and talk with them. This is a stage with Audra right now. I, I love it. it. It generally goes like this in a text. Dad, what are you doing for lunch today? And then if I text back, nothing. She says, uh, well, Dad, I'd like to have lunch with you today. Now, I'm smart enough, all right, because I'm old, I'm smart enough to realize what she's saying. It's not as much, Dad, I want to have lunch with you today. It's what she should be texting, Dad, I don't have any money, and the only way I'm going to have lunch is if you take me to lunch today, all right? I, I know. I can read through the lines, all right? But whatever it is, it brings us to the lunch table. These are some great, great times. And we talk and, and we make an agreement. All right, we sit down, we put our cell phone down. We're not going to, we're just going to talk. And do that. If you're a dad, do that with your daughter. If you're a mom, do that with your son. Do it, you know, uh, with, if you're a mom, do it with your daughter. Dad, but encourage, inspire, talk, celebrate, validate. 
And so back to Audrey for just a moment. Okay, so nursing, that's not going to work. And what are you thinking about? And just over time, there's some things that we've really encouraged Audrey. And Audrey is really, really good at, at decorating. It's like, all right, she's like, I have an idea for a room in the house. And I'm like, well, that's great because I have zero ideas for any room in the house. All I need is a place to read and a place to watch TV and a place to sleep. That's all I need. I can eat standing up if I have to. And so I don't have those kind of thoughts. But she's like, if, hey, give me a little bit of money. I've got an idea. Why is it she's always asking me for money, come to think of it? But uh, give me a little bit of money. I've got an idea. I think you'll like the room when I walk out. And she's excellent at that. And she's great at hosting things. But she really, really, really loves kids, especially small kids. So, you know, after the whole nursing, I don't like blood thing, it was like, hey, I think I want to be an elementary school teacher. And so in about three semesters now, She'll wrap up, and she will make an incredible, an incredible elementary school teacher. I know she will. If you're a young person, don't underestimate yourself. Don't underestimate. Don't say, well, I've got to wait until I get old before I can make a difference in the world. No, you don't. Now, before we move on to our most important words, Solomon throws out. We can't overlook this. He throws out a sober warning that must be considered. Look at it with me on the screen. It's the B part of the verse that we looked at a few moments ago. He said, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. All right? So follow your heart. Go where your eyes take you. Enjoy life. Experiment. Just, just be really smart. Be really smart with how you live your life. Don't make decisions you're going to regret. Don't make decisions that, you know, later on you're going to say, why, why did I put myself in that situation? Why did I do that? Why did I cave? I knew better. My parents had taught me better. I knew that God didn't want me to do that. And so, you know, remember that you're going to have to give an account to God for everything you do. So in the process of enjoying your young life, Make wise choices. Don't get to a point in your life that a lot of adults live with today. Just a lot still, you know, perpetual guilt and shame and remorse and all that. You don't want to go that route. It's just not good for you. All right, so wisdom from Solomon in the form of two words to this point that we have talked about. Enjoy and experience or experiment. So then what is our next and our final word? And is this word, be sure you get it. It is the word eliminate eliminate. You're saying, all right, what are you talking about? Uh, only what Solomon is talking about and what we're looking at. Look at this verse right here. Fascinating verse. Maybe you've never seen it before. He said, so then banish or eliminate anxiety from your heart. You need to do that. You need to do that. Some of you in the younger crowd are lugging around some worry and weight that God has never intended for your life right now. You're just carrying around, and you're saying, well, why? You know, why? No, that's not God's plan. Trust me, you will face down the road at some point some challenges, some things that may create some worry or anxiety in your life. It shouldn't dominate your life even when you're older. But don't worry. This is not a time for you to become a worry ward. Eliminate anxiety from your life. Don't worry if you don't have your entire life figured out just yet. It's okay. It really is. You know, well, I've, I've got to have my whole life, my whole life, you know, from now to my final day. You don't have to have your whole life figured out because about the time, listen, any adult that loves you and cares about you will tell you about the time you think you've got it all figured out, something changes. About the time you figure out you have all the answers to life, somebody changes the questions. 
And you're not going to figure it all out. You don't worry if you don't have it all. Here's a biggie. And I run into this with the younger crowd all the time. And I just want to say it with as much energy and passion as I can. Don't stress over the fact that you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I see a lot. If you've got one, great. Wonderful. But if you don't, because I run into a lot of young people today, they're like, you know, I, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a girlfriend. Everybody has a boyfriend, which is not true. Not all, every girl has a boyfriend. Not every guy has a girlfriend. But sometimes, you know, young people put themselves under a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety. Well, I don't have a boyfriend yet. If you have a boyfriend, great. If you have a girlfriend, great. But if you don't, that's fine. Don't worry. Uh, I'm probably so old school, and this is going to sound so old school, but I believe it. I believe that God has the right person in store for you. And I believe that at the right time, you know, you're going to run into the person, uh, you know, and it may not be a specific, you know, person, by, but it's that that's person's character and their temperament that, that would match with yours. And a lot of times when, you know, you're a young person and you're, you're saying, well, I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you feel bad about that or you feel depressed about that or you're discouraged about that, what you may not realize is actually God's protecting you so that he can open up the right door for you later for the person that he really wants you to be with that's going to make you incredibly happy. Does that help anybody here? So it's okay. And here's a biggie. Don't become concerned or uneasy because you don't fit in with certain people or groups. Don't feel bad about that. You say, well, you know, I've got to be a part of that group to really, you know, have. No, you don't. It's totally okay for your life to be on a completely different life path, I should say, than other people's life. And, and here's a big, big one, and I've got to move on. Do not, do not, do not compromise your convictions for anybody. Don't compromise your convictions for anybody. If you know something in your heart is right because, you know, you have good parents that have invested in your life, and if you, you, if you know God personally and you've read his word and you know, you know you have a sense as to what God's plan and what doors you should walk through and what doors, listen, don't compromise that for anybody. So enough said about that. Let's see if you remember our words, three words, all right? Because we're not getting out of here until you get it. So just the sooner you get it, the better. First word, enjoy. Second word, experiment. Third word, eliminate. So as we end, I want to actually return to the place where we started in this message. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator while you're young. If you're young, this is one of the greatest times in your life. And you may say, that's easy for you to say, old man. <laughs> but it really is. And, you know, talk, talk to an older person. Ask them if they would, you know, if they remember the days. If there's some parts of going back and being young, they'd like to, you know, go back and experience. Because they're, you know, I mentioned to you earlier that this is a great time because you have, like, maximum energy and minimum responsibility. At some point, it's just so weird, that coin gets flipped at some point in life, and you have minimum energy and maximum responsibility. This is a great time. So remember your creator in the days of your youth. Whatever you do, wherever you go, this is what Solomon would say. You got to listen, all right? We're almost done. Don't forget God because he's certainly not forgotten about you. In fact, God has known about you and thought about you every day of your life. 
If you're a young person here, I want you to really, really listen to me. God has watched over you from your first day, and this is going to continue until your very last day here on earth. Do you know God was there when you took in your first breath, and your parents were exciting your parents, and like, oh, we've got a, we've got a, and God was there. And God, when you didn't even know it, you couldn't even realize it, God was standing there watching over your crib at night while you were sleeping. God was there for your first breath. He was there for your first step. Uh, Brody, uh, our grandson, he's 10 months old now. He's starting to take these little steps. It is so obvious he's going to be a quarterback at the University of Georgia. It is so, I can see it just in his steps. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's you know, and, you know, uh, three step forwards, three step, you know, back, drop, pass, over the middle, hit the receiver, Georgia way. All right, so enough of that, but I see it. But God was there your first step, your first breath, your first step. He was there your first grade. I walked into Mrs. Duncan's room, Church Street Elementary School. It's been a couple of centuries ago, but I still remember it. And God was with me, and God was with you, and your first decision. And he loves you way more than your mind could ever process. And he knows what you're faced with now, and he even knows what awaits you in the future. And so if you're a younger person here today, we're about to close, we're about to pray. But Jesus has already offered up his life for you. But now he offers up to you something you've never thought about. You know what he offers to you now? A hand. A nail pierced one. And no matter how old you are, he says, all right, here, here we go. You just take your little hand, even when you were a little toddler. Take that little chubby hand and put it right here in mine. And then as you get older, you get older. God offered his life through Jesus, but now he offers a hand. And he says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And you go to school. And you start college. When you're in that moment where there's a lot of pressure on you and a lot of people are wanting you to do some things you know deep down you shouldn't do, hey, you take my hand. And I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. There's never going to be a time that I don't have your hand. I'm just going to guide you, and if you listen to me, I'm going to help you stay on the right path. And you enjoy this time. When you get older, I'm going to be with you. When you've got to make decisions about your career and your family, and what, I'm going to be with you. And uh, Solomon would say that he offers to us, I think, the best offer in the world. And the Bible talks about it. You get into the New Testament. In fact, I'll leave you with this verse, Revelation 3.20. They're going to put it up here on the screen. This is an offer for you. Here it is. Look at it with me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that's his offer, opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And remember your creator while you're young. Never been a better time than right now to receive Christ as the Savior and the leader of your hand, life and to just take his hand and just say, all right, I'm putting my hand in your hand. Would everybody stand for a closing prayer? Everybody. I'm so glad you came today, every one of you, no matter how young or old you are. And it really doesn't matter how young or old you are. You, if you've never prayed this prayer, Jesus is saying, I'm standing at your door. You may, you may be a ninth grader or you may be 90 years old. And Jesus said, I'm standing, I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, just open the door and I'll come in and I'll receive you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you say, you know, Jeff, I've never done that. I've never really put my hand in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. I've never invited Christ to become the Savior and the leader of my life. 
But I want to do that here today. I want to receive Christ into my life today. Would you just put up your hand? You can keep your head bowed and eyes closed. Everybody's going to do that. But if you're saying, hey, I, I want to I open the door. Jesus is knocking on the door, and I want to open it. I need a relationship with God. You lift up your hand real high. Stick it straight up in the air. I see your hand just lift, lift it up real high. Let me look around for just a moment. I see your hand right down here. I'm looking up higher now. I'm looking. Thank you so much. Those of you that raised your hand, you can put them down and just pray right there in your heart. I want to remember you, God, and thank you that you've never forgotten me. I invite you to come into my life right now to forgive me of my sins. I want to take my hand and put it in your hand and have you lead me every day, every week, every month, every year for the rest of my life. I know I need you and I want you. Give me a brand new start, a do-over, a mulligan so that I can walk on the right path that you have for me. God, thank you that you have not forgotten me and I remember you and I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Give Jesus one more hand clap of praise. Can you do it? I love you, everybody. See you next week.